Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. And we are delighted to say that after his amazing appearance last month to talk through the Rev Pro anniversary show, we have him back. It's Dave the Mark. He's back to talk about Royal Quest 3. So it seems like you're our man for the copper box. How are you, Mark? <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you, everyone. Very, very good. Thank you for having me back. It was a pleasure last time. So uh, always lovely to talk about Rev Pro and New Japan and wrestling in general. Absolutely, yeah. There was lots of nice comments about your um, show last time, so we were very keen to get you back. So thanks for coming on. Oh, amazing. That's lovely to hear. Thank you. No problem at all. Uh, so let's crack on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Okay, so... This week, there's been plenty of wrestling action as always. Let's start with AEW. They obviously had the debut of Adam Copeland with him telling his former tag team partner and best friend Christian that the reason that he's back is to have one last run with him. And then they had the nice hug and then Christian told him to go fuck himself, which was great TV. We spoke about it at length last week after the debut. Now that we've seen Copeland do a bit more in AEW, how are you feeling about him and where he sits in that roster? He's like wrestling royalty, isn't he, really? And and for like so many people that grew up sort of with the the rated R superstar, it, it's kind of special for him to be there. I think it's it's been really interesting what they do with him moving forward because like that roster is so stacked and it's um it's finding a place for everybody. But like the minute he came out, he looks like you you can just think like when he was reeling off the dream matches like the people that he wants to wrestle and you're like yeah I really want to see all of those things yeah it'll be interesting to see where they go and where they go first and what's kind of like the the number one agenda point is the whole Christian thing going to be short-lived thing to get that out of the way because you know it's almost like you need to address it you can't just have him turn up and yeah. pretend that he doesn't know who Christian is yeah but there are, there's definitely matches I want to see as sooner rather than later involving Adam Copeland. Yeah, a very interesting point, actually, because obviously when CM Punk came in, there was a big thing about what does he do? And he kind of had a slow burn with that first match against Darby Allen, and then was going, not from the bottom, but almost like the mid-card up, trying yeah. to like, prove that he wanted to be part of the locker room, which obviously proved to maybe not be the case. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic in a sense. <laughs> so it's quite interesting, because they obviously did that with him, but Edge feels a bit more like, there isn't that much time with him, perhaps. It feels yeah, a bit more like yeah. That, that's always I think that's always like the worry. On like a side note, like with Danielson announcing that like, this could be the last year we see him wrestle. I think there's still so many matches that I want to see Brian Danielson have, like big singles matches. And you think like when the clock's against you, you've really got to prioritize. And with the likes of Adam and Christian that have had these like long term serious injuries. Yeah, you worry that you could potentially spend too much time building up to the dream matches and then possibly miss out on some of them. Yeah, well, he did mention, didn't he, that he's going to be doing a full time schedule. So feels like yeah. he's full speed ahead and into it. So looking forward to it. Um, the payoff at the end of uh, Dynamite this week was fantastic and feels big. I know. Um, obviously, there's going to be some people that say, you know, oh, AEW was supposed to be this new generation of wrestlers and they've got edge and christian in a feud and that's easy to just throw out but if it's good it's good right yeah absolutely like if, you can go for the low-hanging fruit can't you and that's i think that's what that is when it's uh what's next are we going to get edge and christian versus the hardy boys yeah but edge might not be a a traditional all elite wrestler but you can't tell me that you don't want to watch edge versus kenny omega exactly and that yeah. you don't want to watch him wrestle brian danielson you don't want to watch him wrestle john moxley like yeah these are dream matches and although Danielson and Moxley and Edge all came from WWE you never got those matches in that company and these are not the same people like Brian Danielson and Daniel Bryan are not the same yeah John Moxley and Dean Ambrose are not the same so I'm really really excited to see to see it and uh I'm just hoping for me like with with AEW I think it's a case of just I still think they need to get the balance right between yeah 
how often some people are on TV and how little others are. I was thinking about it earlier that with Dynamite and Collision this week, we got acclaimed trios matches on both of them. Yeah. We had Eddie Kingston talking about who he was going to wrestle next for the Ring of Honor uh, World Championship to Rampage where there's a fatal four-way to decide the number one contender to the match on Collision. And it feels like some things are built up so slowly and carefully and then some things are really rushed through. And I really want them to find that balance between the pacing of the stories because for a long time it felt like everything was an epic saga that took six months. And, you know, that in, at times that was amazing and at times it felt unnecessary. But I think now they've just got to try and find the balance so that, you know, there are people that we want to see every week, but we want to see them having meaningful matches, not kind of faraway matches. Yeah, true, true. Last thing on Adam Copeland for me is that obviously we're a brand, wrestling should be fun, we're anti-tribalism, we're all about, you know, wrestling should be fun. And the fact that both Copeland and Triple H were asked this week about the breakup of the pair of them, almost like the media were trying to get that like headline from either of them to kind of bash them. And both of them just came out with really reasoned reasons why Adam Copeland isn't with the WWE anymore. And they both wished them well. And I think that the media kind of hated it because it was like, oh, God, we haven't got that tasty, you know. Yeah, the reason that The reason that I left was X or the reason that Edge left was X. But no, it was just two guys that have got a lot of history and a lot of well-earned self-love um, for each other. And they just went out and just said, yeah, creatively, there wasn't a lot there. Adam wanted a lot more, both financially and creatively, and they couldn't come to terms. And he leaves with their best wishes, and Edge leaves with his best wishes to them. What a lovely thing that proves to the IWC at times, who can be so tribal and so silly, that, that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, 100%. I think it's... Uh... It's nice to see, and it's you see it like now we've got the now Jade Cargill has headed over yep. the other way, and you know that there'll be so many people that that were really big fans of her in AEW who will now be criticizing her lack of experience and things like that, and how <laughs> yeah, yes. her and stuff like this. And it's like, do you know what? Like she did what was best for her and what was best yep. for her family in her situation. And you know there are like some wrestlers best suit certain companies jade cargill for me always felt like someone who could be a massive deal in wwe because she is their kind of that sort of like traditional great physique she looks like a million dollars she passes the old airport test of yeah yeah of if faster in the airport would you turn around and think wow she must be like a really big deal she is like the like quintessential wwe women's wrestler and she's also something that's very different to what wwe have so you can yeah. see there's like a great place for her there and she can be on a massive platform and be like a real kind of like mainstream star but i also think that in AEW, once her streak was over it's difficult i think i don't think AEW is built for these like like monster streak wrestlers like you've really seen it with Wardlow that once you lose the that kind of like real like je ne sais quoi about somebody it's really really difficult to book them because with these more I'll say this kind of loosely but with the more kind of sports orientated competition the people win and people lose it's really really difficult to have somebody that very very rarely ever loses and if that's their gimmick you need it to be somewhere where you can have the biggest stages and, you know, she is someone that you can see having big WrestleMania matches in the future. If they can write great matches for her that match her her skill set, then there's no reason why she can't be really, really successful. But I feel like in AEW, she'd kind of done her big story and I don't know how I would book her next yeah. to come back from that. And at the same time, you've really, you know, Chris Statlander got the the two big wins over her, and that's you've you've helped use one star to build another star. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, competition makes everything better, doesn't it? Yeah. And when when people criticised WWE for hoarding talent and there being nowhere else for people to work, so there's no alternative. With AEW having such a huge roster and having control over Ring of Honor, you don't want it to go the other way either. So there has to be some coming and going between the two. Absolutely. Yeah, very much so. So was there anything on AEW in the past week that really took your eye? Um, So I find uh, Timeless Tony Storm to be a fascinating prospect and character. Chatting to some some wrestling fans uh, and friends this week and like highly complimentary. 
people saying that it's the the best like AEW women's gimmick that they've they've had so far. That it's like a great transformation for her. I'm very much like I love really really sports orientated wrestling. I like real slow build stuff. So for me, whenever anybody goes for a character change or goes for a gimmick change. I would always want it to be much slower than, than it is. But I also recognise the fact that I'm in a minority because I don't think my tastes are particularly well suited to American TV wrestling. But as gimmick changes go, like it certainly caught my attention and has got me interested. And I saw the graphic out for this week. You know how like, like the, for this week it's MJF. It's MJF will be there. Right, okay. And it is that kind of like just announcing that MJF will be there is is almost like it's funny in itself because it's not we'll be in action, yeah, it's yeah. not we'll cut a promo, it's just he's gonna be there. <laughs> but Tony Storms is something um it's something very, very interesting because it's uh it's very much keeping up this thematic and cinematic theme. Be, like so um, is it something along the lines of like Tony Storm's presence <laughs> will be there or something? Like <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can find it again whilst we uh whilst we talk about the next part. It's just one of those things. It's just like a faraway graphic. And you look at it and you think, that's interesting. I'm curious. I'm immediately curious. <laughs> and I think that's the key thing for me. I, I really like Tony Storm. I've liked her for a long time. But you've got to find a way to stand out from the crowd. Yeah. Uh, and this does it for her. Uh, it is Timeless Tony Storm is ready for her close-up. Oh, that's very good. Very good. And it is just that sort of like, what does that mean? Yeah. But I'll be tuning in to what, find out. Yeah, we've... um. We've been huge fans of Tony Storm since she arrived in England in what seems like maybe 2015 or something. And mm. a few of the people in the group were a little bit like, I don't really believe her that like she's a rocker. And I know that she's a big fan of Motley Crue and stuff. And that was a big part of her get up from the get go in England. And it carried across to NXT UK, that kind of style of that she used to have that kind of rock chick look. And I guess that that's kind of a dime a dozen a little bit in pro wrestling, that there's plenty of rock chicks that are wrestlers out there. Yeah. Whereas there's very few that go back to the 1950s style yep. film star. So it's something that means that she stands out and she's certainly thrown herself into that character. And I think that's the key to any kind of wrestling getting over. If you throw yourself into that character, then people will latch onto it. Even the likes of Mansoor and people like that in WWE with the with the fashion stuff that they were doing, whilst it wasn't catching on with the high ups and they weren't getting booked that much online, they were getting huge reactions. And I think that anyone that throws themselves into their character, it's a good thing. And that's something that I don't know if you saw that Will Ospreay put a tweet out earlier saying about... Yeah, I did. Yeah, I saw. Brit Ress about saying how the scene is a bit bland at the moment and the wrestlers are there. It isn't a talent issue. It's maybe a representation issue and that he kind of called them out to kind of show themselves off a bit more, to try and sell themselves a bit more. And yeah. it's quite interesting to... I'm certainly keeping a lookout over the next few weeks to see the British wrestlers' Twitters and see if they react in any way. Because I think Osprey is trying to get yeah, a reaction yeah, in a positive so. way. So I think like we've seen we've seen some really great examples of it this year. Like if I think back to the start of the year when Osprey pretty much called out the NXT UK roster and was like, I'm here, who wants who wants to step up and prove they can still do this? And then Leighton Buzzard was the one who responded. And you think how like the journey that he's got he's gone on because in January he posted his his own like self-produced promo on Will Ospreay saying like basically calling him out in response to Osprey setting the open challenge. They had their match, I think it was February time in Southampton for F Pro, Leighton Buzzard versus Will Ospreay. An absolutely phenomenal match. And I remember at the end of it. Will Ospreay said, uh, El Capitan, where have you been all my life? And then he, he looked over to Andy Quilden and said, please book this guy on every show. And then you think like he's now over in, in Japan. He's doing work out there that he'd never done before. And you think like he's basically just took Will Ospreay's spotlight that he was effectively offering out to anybody. And he seized it and took it and shone it upon himself. And then didn't let anybody else compete for it. It was like, I'm gonna I've seen this opportunity, I'm gonna take it. And I think Osprey, I think like you you look at what he said, and there are some really, really key parts there because I was watching I was going back to an old Rev Pro show today from the pandemic, and it was they were building a match of Michael Oku and Will Osprey versus Carl Fletcher and RKJ. And all it was was a three-minute little video package 
of the four of them basically all doing a kind of selfie promo that somebody had just cut together, put together, put a little bit of music behind it. We're not talking about like high kind of like top end production, but God, like at the end of it, I wanted to watch that match. Yeah. Like I wanted to watch that match and I was fully invested in it. And from watching the four people talk, I'd already started to work out who I was going to be rooting for and who I wanted to win that match more than more than others. Yeah. And I think like that's what that's what drew me to Rev Pro in the first place, watching the build up to Michael Oku versus Will Ospreay at the start of last year. Nice. And the promos that they they cut in the two two nine. Obviously they managed to infiltrate my Twitter somehow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what's this company? Who are these people? Like, having always just watched, like, having never really watched British wrestling. And that's what gets people hooked. Yeah. It's not a match graphic of some blokes that you've, you're have you familiar with. It's the promo. I think it is such an underrated and underappreciated part of wrestling. Because it's horrible. It's mean to say, but being a quality wrestler just isn't enough. Because there are so many of them. Yeah, There are so many talented people around the world. You've either got to be able to do it at an exceptional level or you need to be able to talk my way into getting out my my wallet out and spending more money Yeah, and making a trek across the country to go and watch a show. And then, then you back it up with the quality that's in the ring. Absolutely. Um... And you're absolutely right in saying that it doesn't have to be a high end production. I know once a month progress do their high end promo for the main match that is on that month. And it's always amazing. The one with Kid Lycos and Spike last month was incredible, but it doesn't have to just be that. Obviously, promotions can't put all that sort of money into every match. But if you're not on the main card, then you've still got time to make your promo and make your feelings felt for that match that is happening in two weeks time and try and sell more tickets so that people can see you it isn't just down to the promotion to get tickets sold and if they work together hopefully the uk scene doesn't seem so bland which i personally don't think it's bland but i do get the sentiment from will yeah i think that um i, I don't know i mean I, I i can't speak for him i don't i don't know in what context he meant bland but what i do think looks bland is brit rest social media when you, you're following wrestlers in British wrestling, a lot of what's being posted is just match graphics. Match graphics, and there's very rarely that you get somebody, like, cut their own promo. And you think, like, we're blessed to have things like Instagram, which you can add all your filters to it and make it seem like yeah. like it's had some production behind it. I think back to, like, uh, Levi Muir and David Francisco. Uh, I think it was... Uh, it's a couple of months ago. Um, it was just before the Copper Box. They had a match to kind of build up the monster that is Levi Muir ahead of Michael Oka and Trent Seven. And it was like, is this this is the perfect example of it for me. The match graphic goes up, David Francisco versus Levi Muir. Everybody looks at it as, okay, Levi Muir is going to get heated up by beating one of the Rev Pro contenders. It'll probably go on first. It'll probably be about 12 minutes. It'll be, you know, a nice, a good match. Something entertaining, something to get the crowd warmed up. But the lads took it upon themselves. They cut promos on each other using social media of Levi Muir claiming that when he was training to be a wrestler and David Francisco was one of the trainers, that he was always overlooked, that he was never appreciated. David Francisco coming back saying that Levi Muir was entitled and that, and just kind of like coming back as if to be like, why are you calling me out? Why are you bringing this up? Like you were treated like everybody else. And it just added a bit of spice to it. Yeah. And then in the match, Levi Muir comes out absolutely pissed off and seething. And they have like a match. And I'll tell you what, from that card, that I love, I think every Rev Pro card is brilliant value for money. You always get a really entertaining, like two to three hour show. But if you ask me right now on the spot to name the matches from that show, that Southampton show, the first match that I remember more than anything is Levi Mule versus David Francisco. And that came from their was, social media work prehand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, again, you're not talking about high production stuff. You're talking about a couple of Instagram stories. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. Um, I do wonder, obviously, um, Will Ospreay still, still follows all the British promotions on his socials. And I do wonder if it was triggered at all by the stuff that KC has been putting out for his progress match. He did two promos 
calling out people for his match. Then it was answered by Jack Bandicoot with a promo that he did personally. Then by Vaughn Vertigo. So it's now a triple threat. And it was all done by video over the last three days. And I do wonder, because that did stick out in my feed as like, oh, yeah, like you say, it isn't just match graphic, match graphic, match graphic. It's actual promos that tell stories. And I do wonder if the likes of Will or or anyone else, it certainly did for me. Like, it just stands out, right? It, like, it's just two minutes of your time taken out just to see, like, oh, what's this guy got to say about this match? Yeah, 100%. And if you if you can get someone, you can get somebody invested in a 30-second promo, I think more than you can get somebody invested in like a, a thousand word article. Yeah. I always think like the early days of AW Dynamite, you knew on every episode there was going to be a 30 second John Moxley promo. Yeah. And he could literally like, he could talk you into any match. You know, I remember being genuinely convinced that Brian Cage was going to win the AW World Championship. <laughs> Amazing. Which now which now feels so naive to have fought it, given the last couple of years that he's had, where where he's been a bit in and out of it and a bit up and down. But the way that, that Moxley and Taz sold that feud, I genuinely thought that they were going to do it. Yeah. And that that's it for me. It's what makes things like that extra special. I clipped uh, an Osprey promo for, for Rev Pro a couple of days ago. Uh, and put it out there, and it was uh, the the promo that Osprey cut when he gave Michael Oku the front row tickets for his their match at your call. Okay, and yeah. he said that he'd got he'd got a ticket for his mum, and he'd got a ticket for his brother, and he'd got his ticket for that little tart of a girlfriend, and like the whole mood just shifted. It suddenly became tense, and then he talked about how you know not everyone had, people hadn't always believed in Michael Oku, but he had believed in him. And therefore, his Christmas present to their family was getting to see their lad in the main event of your call. And Will Ospreay's Christmas present was going to be the look on his mum's face when he caved his fucking head in. God, and it's now. just like the the cadence in which he speaks and the timing of it. And it's just like I was cutting it upstairs in our bedroom. My wife was getting ready for um, for whatever she was doing that day, and she stopped doing her makeup to turn around and watch the video. Yeah, and that amazing. for me, that's that's what it's all about. Someone that's not interested in wrestling, someone that kind of like, given how much I live and breathe it, like knows who everybody is, keeps up with it. She's been to a show before, but she's not, you know, she couldn't tell you who all the champions and all the companies are right now. Yeah. But she stopped what she was doing to watch that and was like, what's that? When's that match? I was like, oh, it happened a couple of years ago. And she's like, oh. But she got that interest straight away, that spark. Yeah. And it's that's what great promo does. Absolutely. And lastly on, Will Ospreay, just good on him for trying to make the Brit wrestling as good as it possibly can be. He's wrestled for many promotions over the years and many promotions, even in this last year, trying to get ticket sales up for everyone. And this little kind of like nudge that he's given the wrestlers, maybe it's just a little kick up the arse to try and make it better from inside. So that's fantastic that he does that. And he does the little nods to Britain all the time. I know that he had his um, jacket for All In. He had um, every promotion that he'd wrestled for. Yeah. Um, on that um, show, like little things like that. Just God love him. One of the best wrestlers in the world. And he's trying to do the right thing for Brit rest. That's great to see. Sometimes a bit of tough love is what you need. Yeah. And I think that that for, for me, that's what that tweet was. Like I've said this now, how are you going to respond to it? And I'm like, like you say, I'm really curious to see what social media looks like for the next couple of weeks to see if people do take it as yeah. a sort of like, as a, if there's a bit of momentum that builds and, and if people see it as a challenge to rise to. Yeah. Hopefully everyone is um, active on social as much as Tate Mayfair's is over the next few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> over the next few weeks. Then lastly, for what the nerds are watching, um, I also watched Fastlane uh, this weekend. It was on Saturday, a show that only had five matches announced, similar to the match, similar to the show that we're going to be talking about shortly. A very interesting show in that, obviously with only five matches, the matches were much longer than WWE matches usually are. They range from around 10 minutes to 25 minutes all of them. And it was quite an interesting one in terms of pacing because they all wrestled at kind of um, kind of like NWA old school style pace where it starts slow and then builds to an end, which is all well and good. And 1991, 1992 kind of NWA stuff is my jam, as I mentioned last week. But back to back to back to back, it was a bit of a hard watch at times. Just um, obviously we're blessed with the likes of AEW and the indies where there's at least one or two matches where it's just full pelt 
move, move, move. And I know that that has its people that say that that's the worst thing in the world and there's no selling, et cetera, et cetera. But you do need to strike a balance, I think. And my one takeaway from Fastlane was that, that it was called Fastlane, but it was very, very slow. And whilst the character work was excellent throughout, everyone in terms of the wrestlers on it have got great character work and they've got great chemistry with the crowd at the moment with the likes of Jey Uso, LA Knight, EO Sky, Seth Rollins, all got great reactions from the crowd over the past few months. But in almost every match, there was a lull and the crowd got into it once the kind of action picked up. But I did feel that it just needed maybe just different pacing where maybe one of the matches could have just been a sprint just to kind of balance it out a bit. And I think that's something in wrestling that is really important for a show. But what was really interesting to me was actually the the afters, the uh, press conference afterwards. There was, I don't know if you've seen this, Dave, but... Yeah, that seems to be like what everyone, like <laughs> everything that I saw on socials afterwards was less about Fastlane and more about Cody and was it, was it Jimmy Uso or was it Jey Uso? Jey Uso, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Jey Uso drank or smoked before <laughs> he did that uh, interview, but it was so entertaining. And the pair of them, obviously... It's a very strange thing to see Jey Uso with a tag team title, not with Jimmy, after yeah. so many years being tag team champion with Jimmy. Super weird seeing him hold the gold with Cody. But if they're going to kind they of play... They also look so like, strikingly different sitting next yeah. to each other, don't they? Like, yeah. Cody could not be more of the like executive businessman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jay just looks like the most down-to-earth, laid-back, chilled guy in the world. Yeah. Yeah, really, really uh, an interesting pair. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of kind of odd couples in wrestling, going all the way back to Sting and Luger, to Kane and Daniel Bryan. I think odd couples in wrestling are fantastic, and I'm actually really looking forward to seeing where they go with it. Yeah, so if you get the chance, maybe skip Fastlane and just go and watch the the, uh, (laughs) the, uh, the, uh, Jey Uso interview. A fantastic fun. And also, actually, the Triple H but afterwards was actually super interesting. It was a lot less kayfabe kind of questions. I think mm. that those pressers are kind of kind to the wrestlers. They try not to put the wrestlers on too much of a spot. But yeah. the questions that were put to Triple H were really interesting. A lot of the stuff that they were asking them about NXT, a lot of interesting questions, that, as I stated earlier, about um, Edge. Some real interesting questions put to him and actually... He didn't duck or dive any of them. He kind of answered all of them head on. So if you're interested in the more business side of wrestling, that's worth checking out as well. But if I had to choose a match from Fastlane for you to go and watch, it would be the Cody and Jey Uso match against Priest and Balor. Something that has been aimed at WWE a little bit online is that that it's the same kind of main event every week. But mm. when the wrestlers are that good and you've got a possibility to kind of like move them all around it like that's the first time that that particular match has happened and yeah i know that yeah there's been matches featuring owens and zane in that kind of realm as well but the crowd are so into it and the wrestlers are so good that i think that it's worthwhile <laughs> that that those people are on the main because they get the best reactions and they went on first and maybe that was a bit of the reason why it felt a bit ploddy as well because the biggest reactions were the ones in the first match and that's always a bit of a struggle then to pull it back yeah so what went on last uh nakamura and rollins ah. and the nakamura stuff has been really good his presentation has been so much better and they asked triple h about it and he said that this was the nakamura that he's always wanted that he oh, wanted really? that he wanted him speaking Japanese, that he wanted him being a bit more mysterious and a bit more sinister. Yeah. Which I've really been enjoying, but it's so hard to take him seriously now after years of not being taken seriously. Like, it's hard to get him yeah, back. Yeah, you get a little bit cursed, don't you, by it's difficult to bring it back sometimes, especially like with Nakamura. I think the amount of fan support that was there when he first came to NXT... And then when he came up to the main roster and then when he won the Rumble and it's like you had people ready to fully embrace it so many times that yeah. you've kind of now gone to the well too many times and never actually delivered that bucket of water. Yeah. So I think everyone's a little bit now just like, yeah, I think this this should have happened like three years ago. Yeah, there was the kind of the loss to Jinder Mahal when he lost that title match in the, on the pay-per-view. And I think you can forgive that because Jinder Mahal was only just champion and they were trying to build him, so fair enough. But for him to lose that match against AJ at WrestleMania and then turn heel, I think that's the one that yeah. really did him. 
I think. And that that feud was um, for me. It was super frustrating because it it was it was really creative with how they avoided having a clean finish. Yeah. But for someone that that loves like that sports orientated theme, I want clean finishes. I want to see people yeah. win and lose. I love the story of a loser. I love yeah. seeing the like the redemption arc and the. Really simple things like I think form in wrestling is something that doesn't get talked about enough. Like like in sports, people go through purple patches with their form, and people go through patches where it doesn't matter. Just things just aren't clicking, and things aren't going right. And I'd love to see that as opposed to people getting their foot stuck in literal kind of holes in um, ring announcers' tables and getting counted out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so true. And as you say, um, you love a I like loser story, and I'm the same. Like. You have to go through troughs in your wrestling personality because, as you say, with um, Jade Cargill, you can't just be a character that wins all the time because there's no way to really latch on to that character. You have to have Mm -hmm. reasons to care about them. And that always in a story is their downfall and you have to watch them come back up. And Nakamura's had plenty of them in WWE, but he's never had the payoff at the end, which is so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, again, like like you said earlier, when wrestlers get to a certain age, you start to question just how much longer you're going to get to see them at that level yep. four. And if, you know, we've only got a year or two years of someone's career left, what is it that you want to see in that last year or two? And, yep. and making sure that I think getting people to peak at the right time and getting people striking while the iron's hot, is really, really hard in wrestling because if you want to tell long-term stories you've kind of got to have a bit of a plan of how they're going to play out. Yeah. But then at the same time, people get over spontaneously yeah, and they true. get over on things that you never thought they'd get over. And then it's a case of, well, do we stick to the plan or do we adapt? And I mean, I don't envy these guys, especially when you've got millions of fans who will scrutinize everything and have an opinion on everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's certainly an argument for, for Nakamura should have been WWE champion with that Styles match at WrestleMania. Definitely. But over the last three months or so, they've done a lot to make Nakamura not more of a thing. And whilst he's not the champion, Raw is a three-hour show and there's plenty of great wrestlers on that Raw roster. And hopefully he can become a kind of a mid-card heel that, that has great storylines and great matches. So fingers crossed for him. Yeah, let's hope so. So let's move on to the round table. So, Dave, this is going to be um, the second time that we've spoken about a Copper Box show. First yes. one was a first one was a Rev Pro show. This one is technically a New Japan show, but I know it's kind of in co-promotion with Rev Pro, so I'm still in your wheelhouse. Um, are you going to the show? I am absolutely indeed going to be there. Can't wait. What's your um, view overall of the Copper Box? I know in our group that we have our issues with with uh, York Hall as people that love to stand up at shows and drink. Um, you can't really do yeah. either of those two things at York Hall. Um, and, no, and, that is very true. And when we, um, and then when, when we do go to the Copper Box, we've always felt it was a lot better time for everyone's wrestling experience. How is it for you when you go to the box? Yeah, I um, I, I think it's I think it's a great venue. I think it feels like a much bigger stage than anywhere else really that that I've seen Rev Pro perform, and I think it. I think it will feel like a bigger stage than the Crystal Palace Sports Arena that New Japan ran last year. Yeah. But it also still feels intimate. When you're sitting in amongst the people in the crowd, you don't feel like you're in a in an arena. You yeah. feel like you're in a in a small venue. It's well put together, it's it's well thought out for that indeed. And I think ultimately, if you're watching a great wrestling show, as long as there isn't something to take you away from that, you'll leave with good memories of the place and you'll want to go back. Absolutely, yeah. I went to the first one, uh, Royal Crest 1. It was actually my uh, stag do. Amazing. <laughs> Love that. I wasn't able to make this, the uh, second one, but a lot of the lads shot over, so they went to both the Progress show and the Red Pro show on that day. And they said that um, the experience was fantastic. And I feel a bit like this uh, third one is going to be a lot of fun as well. They've certainly gone with bigger names than the than yeah. the second one. Um, hopefully it yeah, means absolutely. that they'll get more fans through the door as well, which will be fantastic. 
Uh, so let's quickly it's really go interesting because if you like, if you look at last year's like lineup in terms of like roster to this year's, like last year's definitely had like it almost had everybody. And for me, it was my first New Japan show, and it was amazing because I felt like I got to basically see a who's who of New Japan minus yeah. the odd one or two names. And also, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the guys that weren't there last year have been booked for this year. Yeah. So Jeff Cobb wasn't there last year. He's there this year. Shingo wasn't there last year and he's here this year. You've got like TJP and Hanare coming over, which is quality because I, I don't remember the last time TJP was in the UK. I think it was a good sort of like, it was definitely pre-pandemic. Hanare did a Rev Pro show last year. So it's like cool to see him come back, but he's certainly not someone who's like oversaturated with the UK audience. Yeah. But I think the thing for me is like, it's it's one day. It's one single show this year, and that's that's what makes me more excited for it this year than I was last year. Because last year we had effectively 14 matches over two days, but you only actually had three or four singles matches or, or like straight out FTR versus Aussie Open, Shota Rumino versus Will Ospreay, Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr., Ishii versus Yota Suji. That was basically it, and everything else was a big multi-man. And, and they're great to be able to say, like, oh, wow, I got to see Okada and Tanahashi and Naito and Sonada and Hiromu and everybody else. <laughs> Everyone. But ultimately, <laughs> like, I'd rather go to a restaurant and have a brilliant three-course meal than go to a buffet. Nice. I like and it. I think, I think that's what this show will be. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay is, I think, as big a match as you can book in British wrestling. Uh, I think fans will be more excited for that than if it was a Carter in the main event wrestling a singles match against anybody bar, you know, five or six of the world's, you know, if it was a Carter versus Osprey or a Carter versus Omega or something like that, obviously. Yeah. But Zach and Will have got this ridiculous track record of amazing matches all their careers, but also it's very much, it's fits the, it feels like a Rev Pro match. So like I'm absolutely buzzed for it because this show feels like a Rev Pro show as much as it feels like a New Japan show. So it satisfies the British wrestling fans. It satisfies the New Japan fans. And it, it has like a genuine stakes and purpose to it because Will's taken the US Championship, adapted it into the UK Championship, in which case Zach's right to be able to turn around and say, well, if it's a UK Championship, I should be wrestling for it. I think the last time, I think I'm right in saying this, the last time Zack Sabre Jr. lost in the UK was January 2020 against Will Osprey. Wow. He's Good not stat. lost a UK match since. I'd need to double check that, but I'm pretty certain, unless he's wrestled for somebody outside of Rev Pro, he's definitely not left a, lost a Rev Pro match since then. Yeah, well, he's been booked very, very strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. And then... We were, I was promised that the second match announced for this was going to set the tone. So the Will Ospreay versus Zach is what it is. That was announced at the Copper Box. And then the second match was going to be the, if you think that's great, wait till you hear the second match because that's going to tell us that this isn't just one big match and then, a, you know, a lower card. Yeah. And then for Ishii versus Shingo, that's, that's quality. And I, I find it fascinating because Ishii in Japan and Ishii in Britain are very different things in 2023. Ishii's very much a beatable foe in Japan these days, but he's uh, he brings his A-game when he comes to the UK and he's former British heavyweight champion and won't let anybody forget it. So yeah. that's a fascinating one. I really look forward to that. And getting to see two Shingo Takagi matches in the space of two months is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, great stuff. And in the same venue. Yeah, so Ishii obviously had the brilliant match with Luke Jacobs in the yeah. in the anniversary show. And he's up against Shingo here. So a similar wrestler in terms of the strikes that are going to be in this match. And Ishii, as you say, in the UK, he's very much a loved wrestler, going all the way back to his Rev Pro matches that he had with the likes of Keith Lee and Chris Hero in the in the York yeah. in New York Hall. And it feels very much like this is going to be added into that collection of hard-hitting matches and one that will definitely be... If I was in England, I'd be buying my ticket for this match, I think. Yeah, 100%. And then Luke Jacobs has got a big singles match of his own, which is awesome because I fell in love with Rev Pro at the start of last year and have watched every show since, whether it's on demand or live, and almost almost all of them live this year. Like Luke Jacobs versus Yota Suji is 
such an interesting match because in Rev Pro, if that was this time last year in Rev Pro, or if that was start of this year before Suji went back to Japan, Luke Jacobs versus Yota Suji, you know it's going to be in a barnstormer, but Luke Jacobs would be the heavy favourite. But Yota Suji in Japan is being booked strong. Yeah. Like his match with Osprey, he kicked out the Storm Driver. Yeah. Like that is definitely saying something about the lad that they see him as a future world champion. Well, yeah, I remember, um, um, obviously, he was in it. He was on excursion for so long with Rev Pro, and and I remember him making his re-debut into New Japan and holding the title, and I was like, bloody hell, they've gone strong with him, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then and what I really, really love is at the very end of his Rev Pro run, he started experimenting with some different moves, uh, a couple of submission holds, and you were sort of like, okay, so maybe when he goes back to Japan, he, he's going to go down the kind of strong style maybe be aligned with Suzuki's group like that side of things and he went back into New Japan and he wrestles like a completely different wrestler to what he wrestled in the UK but it's also not that style that he was experimenting with he feels like he's someone who can do so much without ever looking like he's trying to do too much at all yeah I remember always thinking that out of the two Shota Umino was the like the more impressive one but I feel like actually I was taken in by Shota's presentation and Shota, I, I, don't get me wrong, Shota's amazing and I think he's absolute quality. He's a brilliant baby face that gets you to love and feel for him. But in terms of like in-ring technical ability, I think Yotosuji's got that edge on him and that's that means so much in Japan. I think that, I genuinely think you could see Wrestle Kingdom main events in sort of like six, seven, eight years' time of Yota Suchi versus Shota Rumino for the, the World Championship. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And that's that's crazy to think that, you know, this time last year they were having a strap match at the uh, 10th anniversary show for Rev Pro. Yeah, nice, yeah. And obviously Jacobs being on a New Japan show is great for him, not the first time. And he's definitely someone that, that when you just look at him, you just think Stan Hansen. So you very much oh, yeah. see him fit the New Japan mold. And the more that he can so much do so. matches like this, it would be fantastic for him. And you see the likes of Driller now um, going viral with his uh, move from earlier this morning. Um, yeah. That, like in a year's time, that could easily be Luke. A hundred percent. He's leaned up massively over the last sort of like six months. He seems to be moving even quicker in the ring, hitting even harder. He's everything about him, every, like his confidence is just been elevated in the last six months that I think he really is becoming like the measuring stick of these these young guys in Britain. Yeah. And to think that he's not even made it to 25 yet is insane. Yeah, he's still so young. And even last year when he was holding both those Rev Pro and Progress titles, he looked so cool and you're like, you know, like you're just a kid. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Such an, an incredible wrestler and someone that's had to kind of move into singles, sadly, through the injury with Ethan. But I saw, yeah. um, but I saw online that it seems like Ethan's on his way back, which is fantastic news. And hopefully, um, yeah, let's hope so because it's it's literally Royal Quest two last year. I think the last time uh, we yeah. any of us got to see him. So, and that was yeah. like a real small comeback, wasn't it? Like he only wrestled two or yes. three times. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, had a yet another injury. So yeah, best of luck to Ethan moving forward, and hopefully he can. Yeah, all the best. If, man. If Luke moves on and the tag team is no more, hopefully Ethan can carve out a singles just like Luke has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, let's move on to the last singles match, which is going to be El Desperado versus Trent Seven. Certainly a, yes. um, a, a mix of styles there. You've got the British strong style of Trent Seven and the Lucha hardcore of, of El Desperado. Yeah, I love this match for so many reasons. I think that the styles clash will be really, really good. Watching Fantastic Mania, the uh, Rev Pro and CMLL run together. Yeah. Trent has this brilliant kind of banter and he, he works so well with masked wrestlers. And he just, he's so good at just embracing whatever needs to be embraced to get himself over on that show. I can imagine this being, it, it could be so many different matches. It could be a real shock, hard hitting, brutal affair. But then it could also be an absolute comedy match. And they could go for a real light-hearted change of pace mid-show yeah. to just break things up, like we talked about earlier with the pace and the shows being so important. 
I think it'll probably be somewhere in between. I imagine there'll be some quite comical like skits at the start. Desperado's got amazing comedic timing and and Trent knows how to work a British crowd so well. And then I think that they'll they'll get into it and, and get into each other. And I'm really looking forward to seeing a Desperado singles match because he got massive reactions last year. Him and Doki were two of the most over people in the entire arena. So uh, I'm glad that we've got one of them. Really interesting to see what how many matches they book for it and what talent is left to be announced And a Carter singles match. There'll be as much love to hear that Taichi's going to be in a multi-man match as there would be for hearing that Sonata's going to be in a singles match. There's certainly a big community of British wrestling fans that, that love the New Japan old guard and love the love the guys that maybe don't make the trip over to the uk as often yeah definitely yeah last but not least uh there's the six-man tag match which means that the uk will get to see eddie kingston as uh this falls under not being on an indie um and he's obviously protected in a six man obviously means that he doesn't have to take all the bumps (laughs) so it's him tanahashi and oku up against hanari jeff cobb and tjp what are your thoughts on that one I'm so excited for this. TJP is one of my favourite wrestlers in the world. I think the guy is absolutely incredible. I think he has somehow been the most consistently underrated wrestler of like my entire awareness of him. And he's wrestled for so many companies and had my favourite matches in each of those companies. Jeff Cobb, he kind of owes Brit Rest one because he he wasn't able to make a Rev Pro date last year. And we've uh, we've kind of been hoping for him to come back ever since. And this feels like a make good for that. Hanare, it feels like a, a debut because Hanare is not Aaron Hanare. He's not the uh, the, the guy yep. who was here last year with the moustache and the trench coat and the, the hard-hitting kind of hired goon. He's the, you know, a completely brand new character in that sense. And then I've never, I say I've never seen Eddie Kingston live. I, I was at All In, so I have seen Eddie Kingston live, <laughs> but I don't feel like I've seen Eddie Kingston live until I until he literally walked past me and I can see the, uh, you know, his pupils and his eyes, um, <laughs> and I cannot wait for that. I think he is one of the most underappreciated and underrated wrestlers in the world. It's so easy to like him that people yeah. forget just how good at telling stories he is. And he's such a good promo that people forget how good he is at telling in-ring stories. And I think he's just, just because he doesn't look like, you know, a six foot five, 250 pound jacked monster. You forget that he actually can do every single part of pro wrestling better than most. And then you've got Tanahashi there with him, which is just, you know, a classic. Everyone wants to see the ace. And then, yeah, Michael Oku there as well. I think it's fascinating. It was this time last year that they built the RKJ and Great Okan feud yep. with uh, Great Okan getting a, a pinfall victory in, in a tag match at Royal Quest. So it'll be really fascinating. I don't think it's a coincidence that Michael Oku is up against the United Empire, who have got such good links with Rev Pro that potentially we could get one of the United Empire getting a victory. I hadn't even thought about this prospect, but the idea that TJP could win that and we could get TJP versus Michael Oku at some point in Rev Pro would absolutely melt my heart if that but, happens then i know that you've got um a little saying with uh, andy <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah this is it i will uh now i've thought of that like i literally i think i need to message him out straight after this and uh and get the thought in his head if it's not already there um but yeah no i'm i'm really really excited every single match feels like it's bigger than last year's event and i loved last year's event i thought it was absolutely brilliant but you've got that one big multi-man match where there's genuine stakes involved because you've got a champion. Well, you've got two champions in it, and you know that that New Japan build their championship feuds up through these multi-man matches. Is someone gonna have a claim to Eddie Kingston's New Japan Strong Title by getting a win here? Is someone gonna have a claim to Michael Oku's British Heavyweight Championship? Tanahashi's still part of the six-man champion. There's that element to it as well that I hadn't even thought about. And then you've got the singles matches. As long as they're given the time, which New Japan matches tend to, they're going to be like fantastic spectacles themselves. So, yeah, yeah. loads to be excited yeah. for. I hope for Oku's sake that he gets to do a frog splash at the same time as Tanahashi. That would be a cool moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it would definitely be a, a, a magical moment for Oku, surely that. 
And Although you just, know that Oku will go super, super high on it. Just yeah, to, true. <laughs> just, just to really kind of stand out. <laughs> what a leap and, that man has. And um, hopefully people will turn out for Kingston because obviously, unfortunately, he, he's made the choice to not do indies anymore. And that's meant that the match with Jacobs is now no longer on. And that would have been such a great match. Jacobs versus Eddie Kingston yeah. would have blown the roof off. And obviously... Previous to that, um, the match that was announced pre-pandemic was Dragonov versus Kingston. So we've missed out on two massive yeah, matches, which yeah. is a real yeah, shame. Absolutely. Hopefully, we'll get to see Luke Jacobs versus Eddie Kingston in a Ring of Honor ring or in a New Japan ring moving forward, because that would be be amazing yeah. for Luke to to have something like that on his CV. But yeah, no, when when Kingston announced that he wasn't doing indies anymore, I I was heartbroken, and then I remembered at least I'm getting to see him on Saturday. Yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave. So that wraps up the preview for the show. And we hope that you have a great time there. Is there anything that you wanted to plug? I shall always plug RevPro because it is pro wrestling at its best. And and genuinely, I believe the the best wrestling that you're going to get to see on these shores. They've got some huge shows still lined up for the rest of the year. The British J Cup in Stevenage in a couple of weeks looks absolutely phenomenal. If you can get down to Stevenage on, on the 21st of October, you've got Gabriel Kidd uh, wrestling for the uh, Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship against Michael Oku. You've got Kanji wrestling Alex Windsor for the Undisputed Women's Championship. You've got Luke Jacobs and RKJ. And then you've got the British Cup, the British J-Cup tournament with the Very likes of Alex Zane, Ascara Dorada, Robbie X and Leon Slater in there. I saw they like, booked um, Alex Zane as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that's, you know... Stevenage shows for Rev Pro are real kind of like standout shows. They always get the names. We had Lance Archer earlier this year. Uh, we had Leo Rush. We've had Rich Swan. They always run parallel to the Sheffield show. So they do Saturday in Stevenage, Sunday in Sheffield, and they get the talent over for the weekend. And they're, you know, the Sheffield tickets are like 20 quid, 20 quid for a front row ticket. And you get to see like these great names and I find all these venues, you'll find if you if you get on there when the day the tickets come out, you can find yourself a bargain of a seat. You don't need to spend 50 quid to sit in the front row to have an amazing time at a rough pro show. And then the best money that you can spend in professional wrestling for me is at the 229 in London, where you're spending 20 quid for your ticket. You can sit front row and you get the best of British wrestling in the, in the capital. So you can never, ever complain of that. And uh, Andy Quilden said that the announcement for the next big London show should come this week. So uh, we look forward to that as well. Good stuff. Much appreciate all your um, love for the British scene and as someone that supports it. And it's something that we definitely advocate at wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. And it's readily here in the UK to go and see whichever promotion is close to you. Go out and go and see your wrestling. Amazing. Thank you ever so much for having me, mate. It's always a pleasure to join you. Uh, no worries. Love wrestling. <laughs> pleasure, mate. And um, we'll look forward to hearing from you in the next few weeks. Cool. Cheers, man. Thank you ever so much. Cheers, Dave. And we are Wrestling Should Be Fun. You can find us on Twitter at WSBFUN, Instagram, Wrestling Should Be Fun, TikTok, Wrestling Should Be Fun, Threads, Wrestling Should Be Fun, and now Facebook, Wrestling Should Be Fun. And of course, Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast for your weekly listen to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Don't forget to look after your mates and drink lots of water. See you, pals. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.